Welcome to the Access Church Podcast. Grab out your note sheet and let's jump right into today's sermon. If you have your Bibles, um, 2 Kings chapter 6. And then also if you want to just be aware, we're going to be in Psalm 91 and Psalm 103. Those are the Bible passages today. 2 Kings 6, Psalm 91, and then Psalm 103. Uh, I want to give you guys a heads up on kind of what's going on uh, right now as far as midweek stuff. Uh, we're in the marriage of a healthy families class. So those that signed up for that, we're cruising along. Thank you for praying for them. The discussion and the time together has been awesome. Connection groups will start back up in September. We'll take a small break in August. So if you're looking to get back into home groups, we'll be discussing the sermon, praying together, sharing life together. That'll start back in in September. For August, just so you know, August 7th, which is in a few weeks, we're going to be at the beach at the harbor in Oceanside, hanging out. We're going to bring the, uh, this easy up right here. So just look for us. And uh, I'll probably email you guys and also on Facebook, let you know what tower we'll be next to. Uh, but we'll have this set up there so you can find us. But just a fun beach day to kind of wrap up summer. That's in a few weeks, August 7th, if you want to get that down on your uh, calendar. Uh, and then also just to let you know, we're going to be moving inside uh, fairly soon. We've been super fortunate uh, with the weather even today. Uh, and I really feel like God's really protected us and provided for us to make it bearable, have church outside. Our team's done a phenomenal job um, and just, uh, you know, guys that set this up and how we've done sound and all that. So appreciate that. Um, moving inside will give us some more consistency and things like that. Uh, and that's going to happen in a few weeks. We're going to have one awkward week uh, where the school starts. We have to take this down, but yet we still have to meet outside because they're working on the flooring. So we have some awkward moments ahead. Just embrace it, engage it. It is what it is. So we might meet back out uh, around the corner there. We'll figure it out. But just a heads up, the goal is to get back inside for some temperature regulation, which will be nice. So that is the plan. Just want to give you a heads up with that. Today, as you know, we're going to be talking about angels. Uh, Second King 6 is where we're going to be looking at that. Uh, it would be great if there's any type of... I'm going to try to leave some time. Um, that if you have any questions, you can kind of raise your hand. Uh, so as I'm talking this through, if you have questions, write that down as you're taking notes. Uh, and again, you can use our church app, Access Church. It's green and black, the app, uh, to take notes, or if you brought paper with you, anything like that. Um, but if you have questions or I say something, this might be a topic It's good to kind of raise your hand and have a little a bit of interaction with, because I'm sure other people have those same questions. So just want to open that up. I'm going to pray. We're going to jump into this. Jesus, thank you so much for today. And uh, thank you that uh, when you wrote the Bible, really no subject is left untouched. You talk about everything, and it's good. And it's actually good for us to know. And I know today's a little different, maybe not as super applicable normally what we do, but it's in the Word, and so it's good for us, and I hope it comforts us today what we talk through. And so, um, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you would stir our hearts, open our minds, and that um, we would be people that be transformed by your word. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right, 2 Kings 6, it's in the Old Testament. We're in a series where we're looking at uh, people of faith that have done it before us and what we can learn from them, what we can learn not just about them, but what we can learn about God. Uh, if you've read the Old Testament, you realize there's a ton of passages where angels are involved. Uh, as you read that, just so you know, sometimes you're gonna read uh, usually it's an angel from the Lord or angel of the Lord. Um, and 
every once in a while what you're going to notice, especially if you read like the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and the stories that we've looked at the last few weeks, sometimes the angel of the Lord, uh, it's actually Jesus before he came to be Jesus. So he showed himself in the Old Testament, um, but many times it was angels. And so uh, one of the passages I want to look at today kind of talks about, shows us a little bit of an insight into this. So 2 Kings chapter uh, 6 is where we're at, and we're going to be getting to know a guy named Elisha, who is a, uh, a prophet. And uh, during this time, the nation of Israel split. You have a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom, and he's a prophet in the northern kingdom. And uh, God's given him inside information. And so as he's prophesying, not just about Israel, but he's also letting the king know that what nations are doing when they want a war against them, and these nations are getting ticked because they're finding out that this guy has a direct line. Well, if you're warring against a nation, someone has a direct line, you want to take that guy out because then God can't speak to them and then you can kill them and take over their nation. So there's a plot. Uh, and so the, this nation that's trying to take him out is the Arameans. And we pick up uh, 2 Kings chapter 6 in verse 15 when uh, Elisha is with um, his attendant. It says, verse 15, Now, when the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out, behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. This is not a good thing. They kind of found out where he was at. They did some recon, and now they're going to kill him, which at this point kind of seems inevitable. It's like this is not a good thing. They're stronger than him. He really doesn't have a, an army around him. And so the servant said to him, this is hopeless, my master. What are we to do? Uh, has anybody ever said those words, if not out loud in your head? A, a situation that you looked at and it seemed inevitable, right? In fact, maybe you grew up and the world told you that it's inevitable, right? The world that we live in says, if this happens, then this has to happen, right? If you studied psychology or philosophy, determinism is kind of the times that we live in, right? And so it's just going to happen. There's nothing outside of the natural world that can kind of change it. Or maybe we've been in financial situations, relational situations, or maybe we've had a job that we think, well, I'll never get, it's hopeless. Or uh, a relationship has been shattered that it's, it's hopeless, that'll never reconcile. Or maybe uh, for some of us, we've been serving God in some way on the missions field or doing some kind of ministry, and we thought, I can't overcome this. I can't raise enough money for this. It happens actually all the time. One of the things that's unique about Christianity that I believe when we follow the Lord is that we are sad like everybody is sad. We get down like everybody gets down. But the key is, the line is that we always have hope. Why? Because we have God. And so when we're hopeless in life or we feel hopeless, that's something in our head that says, then where is God or where is your God or your concept of God? Because if you're hopeless, that means that God has no power, God has no strength, or God has no plan. And so sometimes rather than maybe God needing to change the circumstances, God's like, no, I need you to change your mind and your heart. So this attendant said to him, and rightfully so, this is not a good thing, what are we to do? And he said, do not be afraid. For those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. Now, I'm sure his attendant looked at himself Looked at Elisha, he's a prophet. These guys aren't ripped, these guys aren't lifting weights, these guys aren't sharpshooters, anything like that. They pray a lot, they have gentle pastoral hands, they're on their knees a lot, they're reading a lot, they're academic, 
He probably looked at his attendant, looked at himself. It's like, say that again? We don't look greater than what these guys are doing as they're circling our home. How can you say that? Then Elisha prayed and said, Lord, please open his eyes so that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he saw the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Oh, there's a whole world I don't know about. There's a whole world of things happening that you cannot ascertain with these eyes, but it has to be the eyes, the heart, and the soul. And when they came down, Elisha prayed to the Lord. So they saw then these angels coming down. And so then he prayed and asked God, please strike these people with blindness. This is a nice guy. If someone's coming after you, wants to kill you and your family, I would have might, might have said something a little bit more intense. <laughs> Give them all heart attacks, you know, uh, strike, you know, bring fire down like that. He wants to have some fun with them. So this was a prophet with a little bit of humor. This is, this is, when you follow God, you got to have a little bit of humor. And so he says, strike them with blindness. So he struck them with blindness in accordance to the word of Elisha. Elisha asked of God, and then God used the angels to strike them with blindness. So you, this is a guy I want to hang out with in heaven. Anybody that has a little bit of that, and some of these Old Testament, you got to read the Old Testament. Some of these Old Testament people that follow God, they had some hardcore sarcasm. They had some hardcore humor. And so what he did is he said, no, don't kill them. Lead them with blindness. And then he led them to a different city to attack rather than the city he was in. So he wanted to trick them. That's what he wanted to do, this man of God. And so the story goes on. You can read it a little bit later. But I wanted to focus on this as far as the, the statement that I would use to kind of encourage us today is this. Angels are a gift from God to help us, protect us, but mostly to bring us to Jesus. Angels are a gift from God to help us, protect us, and bring us to Jesus. Over and over, what you'll notice in the Bible is that angels are not to be worshipped. In fact, they're not even lifted up. In every story, they're there to serve God for our good. You see that over and over again, right? You think about this, this even in the New Testament. And, and what I want to do today is to normalize this concept. Because I talk about angels, I think for some of us, we feel like we're talking about mythology, like the Greek gods and things like that, and I bring up angels. But we'll walk away from here and believing that, yeah, it's, I don't know if that's really true, right? That there's angels and, and they're, we can't see them and they're, are they walking around here, are they flying around. Like in the Bible, it's very normal. You'd be considered weird if you're like, ah, I don't believe in that. Whoa. They, in fact, expected it to happen and that there's a realm there where there are angels. Uh, Matthew 1, we see that angels told Mary and Joseph about Jesus. So God used the angels to talk to them. Uh, he also, in Matthew chapter 2, told them to go to Egypt. So angels were there protecting them. Uh, in Matthew 28, an angel rolled away the stone and then spoke to Mary when Jesus, part of the resurrection. Uh, we see when the church first started then, so it wasn't even just when Jesus was around, but in Acts chapter 5, we see that angels led disciples out of prison using, using natural methods. So earthquakes would happen. If you don't believe in angels, oh, an earthquake is doing something. Nah, 
angels providing it and then getting them out in Acts chapter 5. Acts chapter 8, an angel spoke to Philip, which would start outreach for the first time internationally. So using him, guiding him to someone, an angel was used in that way. In Acts chapter 10, an angel spoke to someone that wasn't a follower of God named Cornelius. And the angel gave him a vision preparing him for a missionary, Peter, that would come a little bit later and then explain everything. So an angel can have an interaction with whether it's a Christian or someone not a Christian. We see that can be physical manifestation or we can see angels speak through visions and through dreams. Again, as I'm saying this right now, some of you are like, where are we going, right? Well, we're in the Bible. That's where we're going. So, but I want to fully explain this because I don't want us to get off track as a church. I, I've been there. I remember I went up to the Northwest to a conference. Pastors, you got to go to this conference. This man had an amazing experience. And in fact, they called it Jesus Ministry. Well, Jesus is in the name. Then it's got to be good. And the first session was all about an angelic experience. But the problem was, is that thing of we had this angelic experience and we think you should too for your ministry to flourish. Red lights, red lights. Why? Because angels do not determine the success or not. Jesus does. And so that's why I want to kind of talk about this today to make sure that we don't go one way. It's like, I don't want to think about it. And I don't No, It's actually very comforting to know that there's angels all around. Just like he said, if your eyes are open, why are you freaking out in life? Well, who's going to take care of my needs? God will, and he'll use angels too. And he'll commission them. And when you answer prayers, or when you pray, well, how do I know it's going to be answered? What do we see in the Bible? God uses angels, deploys them to answer prayer. Not that you need to pray to angels. There's nothing in the Bible that says, we'll talk straight to them. Uh Uh-uh. You go to God, and God tells the angels what to do and where to go. How cool is it to think that there's Thousands, millions of supernatural beings being ordered by God to do his work for your good. And that's why Elijah said, why do you worry? What, what am I supposed to do? How do I earn more money? How do I get that relationship? How do I get this job? How do I get this situation? How am I going to grow this ministry? How am I going to, we have all kinds of things to stress about, right? And what he says is, why are you stressing? God's going to take care of it. And there's a lot of angels that are going to make sure that it happens, whatever God wants. How are we going to win this battle? You don't have to worry about it. God wins the battles he wants. Psalm talks a lot about this. And again, I encourage you to, man, just even like go to Bible Gateway and type in angels or angels or angel or angels. And then um, read all the different passages, the variety. It'd be a fun thing to do this week. Just kind of expand your mind if you've never really looked at that. Um, but Psalms talks a lot about it. In Psalm 91, 11 through 12, the psalmist wrote this. For he will give his angels orders concerning you to protect you in all your ways. On their hands, they will lift you up so that you do not strike your foot against a stone. What's interesting about Psalm 91, just so you know, um, it's actually a prophecy about Jesus. Do you remember in uh, Matthew 4 and Luke 4 where Jesus was led to the desert? You guys remember that? You remember who he met in the desert? Satan, right? Met Satan there and Satan was tempting him 
at a time when Jesus was uh, in his humanity very weak. He hasn't been eating, hasn't been drinking. And note to yourself, when you read about Satan's tactics in the Bible, nothing to be scared of, but you should be aware of. When does Satan attack us? When we're most vulnerable. When we're tired, when we're hungry, when we're stressed, when we feel like we're in a desert. And look how Jesus responds, right? And so, but one of the things that Jesus interacts uh, with him is that the, um, uh, Satan keeps throwing out these Bible passages and he twists them to get Jesus to not trust God, which he'll do with us. Satan will even use a Bible passage, but twist it so you don't apply it correctly, right? And so he's twisting the scriptures and you'll notice that when he said, hey, call your angels down and that they'll catch you, Jesus actually uses Psalm 91 to repeat back to him. And so, um, so it's interesting that he uses this passage, but we learn a lot about angels and that they will protect us in all of our ways. Psalm 103, 20 through 1 says, Bless the Lord, you his angels, mighty in strength, who perform his word, obeying the voice of his word. Bless the Lord, all you angels, who serve him doing his will. Who do angels serve? God which is really important because when we get off topic, we expect angels to serve us. That's why at that conference, the red lights went off. Angels aren't some toys or supernatural beings for us to, no, no, we go to God and God figures out how he wants to use um, angels. Um, And so as we think about that today, think about the comfort that brings. Think about God's goodness that not only does he give his Holy Spirit to you, so you have God's spirit in you, but you have angels around you 24-7, and their role is to protect and to serve. To protect and to serve. I believe that many of us, if we think about situations that we looked at and be like, man, I can't believe I got out of that situation. I can't believe I was protected there. I can't believe I was provided there. I believe many of us had have angelic intervention, but we're not aware of it. And maybe God doesn't want us to be here. He doesn't care. But we've had angels protect us, but it might look like it's just natural means. Angels are assigned, we see in the Bible, to regions, to churches, and to people. We see that in the Bible. In fact, when you read Revelation, um, the first few chapters are letters. I don't know if you've read it, where it's written to certain churches. But... I think it's seven churches, but do you know how each one of those starts? So if it was Samaria, it was not to the church of Samaria, it was to the angel of Samaria. That means there was an angel in charge, and God was going to give a word to this church, and he was giving it angelically, but also to the church, to the angel of Samaria, to the angel of this. There are these angels that are there to protect and to serve. I've seen this in my life in in different ways as I think about my life, sometimes very supernaturally, and other times just I can't explain it. Um, I remember when we went to, uh, uh, on a trip, where were we, babe? Were we in Colorado? The river, the river trip, Where was it in Colorado? Crazy time. We go, and um, one of my family members, I won't call them out because this is being filmed and they might watch, but... um, we love them, but they made a bad call. Like, let's go to a river and float. And how old were the, the kids? They were pretty young. They were four-ish, two-ish. 
Okay, now, I, we all have bad parenting moments, so I need some grace right here, all right? I don't want any judgment. We went to a river, but they said it was like a small, little, mellow creek, don't worry about it. And I'm like, all right, you know, a little nervous and, you know, water, you know. When we get there, and it looks super mellow, so I'm like, all right. So I have Evie, and another family member uh, was assigned to Aiden. So I'm like, just hold on. I mean, super mellow, you know, but just, just be there like that. We're cruising along, we're cruising along. I don't know if you know this about rivers, but they can tend to change. I don't know if you know this. We're starting out mellow, and then as we're going down, I'm like, uh, this, you know, you just freak. You're like, uh-oh, this is not good. You see, it wasn't huge, but just a little bit of white water. I'm holding on to Evie, and this family member somehow got a little bit distracted or whatever, but wasn't as near to Aiden, and his tube flipped. I'll tell you one of the worst memories I have as a parent is looking at my son, looking at me, but he's downriver. I have my daughter, what do I do? And so I'm trying to like one hand hold her, haul with this hand, but the river's just taking them down. And I just was yelling, keep your head up, keep, you know, just float, just, if you don't panic, you're okay in water. And so, but that's very hard to do when you're, you know, that age, he's trying to swim up river, God bless his soul, nothing's happened. I'm like, just a nightmare. And what's weird is there's people on the banks, you guys, because there's a river where they play volleyball. Like, this is a very popular river. Nobody's doing anything. No one's doing anything. And so I'm screaming, I'm yelling, I can see him, all that kind of stuff. Out of nowhere. Did you actually see it, babe, or was it just me that said, did you see the guy jump? Out of nowhere, this dude jumps into the river, grabs him, brings him over to the side. By the time I get down there, though, he's gone. Like, if you did that, you'd probably stay with the kid, right, wait for someone. Like, hey, are you guys okay? Maybe yell at the parent, what's wrong with you, you idiot, right? Berate me, I, I deserve it, right? You know, all that kind of stuff. Couldn't find him. Nobody came up to me. Nobody said anything. It was obvious. You got two screaming people, right, going down a river. And our natural mind said, some just good Samaritan, right? And then just kind of walked off. Well, the Bible says maybe. Here's the thing, maybe. I don't need to figure that out. But what if it's one of those things of, no, there's angels that are prepared and ready, even when we're stupid parents, right? They protect and they serve. Uh, this really hit me when I went to India, and this happened multiple times. Um, and here's what I noticed. We were, we were going to India, and we are going to places where there was no gospel, primarily um, Muslim areas, and uh, they, uh, some of these areas barely seen an American or a white person. And so we're going out, right, to very out there in the boonie kind of areas and never heard of Jesus. And so what I noticed is that um, when there were kind of these small Christian establishments, how they got started were um, by dreams or visions of angel angels explaining that missionaries were coming or that good news was coming, but they never fully explained Jesus. I talked to one woman who had a very small church um, and it's a very persecuted church. There's only, uh, I believe, about 10, 15 of them in a town of thousands, primarily um, Muslim faith. Um, and uh, so I said, like, how did this start? Like, this is a big no-no here. And they, they were, um, um, they would get ostracized economically. 
the kids would get made fun of. Like, this is a very hostile area, right? So I'm like, how did this start? Like, how did you even hear about Jesus? Because, and she said, um, this was, I think, about 10 or 15 years earlier, but it had been a while, but that she had a vision and that um, she assumed it was an angel, the bright light thing, very, the, the, the vision was very clear, uh, a bright light, but just said, um, uh, good news is coming, salvation is coming. Didn't fully explain Jesus. So I said, well, what did you do with that? She's like, nothing. Like, <laughs> we didn't know it. Like, there's nothing around. And so, and then it was, I believe, within a week, she said missionaries came, and they did these little things. They got almost no response except for her. And she goes, that made sense. And then she told the missionary, this is the dream that I had. And they said, I've come here to explain that and that salvation is through Jesus. Walked her through, gave her a Bible, and she would start a church from there. Another thing that's interesting is in 1 Corinthians 6, it says, listen, angels are doing their work, but they have a different role than we have. One of the things the Bible talks about as you read is that um, when Jesus came to die on the cross, I don't know if you noticed this, but he didn't die for rocks, for animals. Even though I know you love your dog, like, you know, your cat, and, you know, they need to be saved. Didn't die for them. Didn't die for uh, angels. He died for us. The Bible talks about that we have a unique relationship with God. And though angels in some ways are more powerful and we're weaker in some ways, right? But when it comes to the eyes of God, they're there to serve us. We don't serve them. Check this out in 1 Corinthians 6. Paul is talking to the church and he says, when you guys have disputes in the church, why are you suing each other and taking it to uh, the courts? As Christians, we should have good judgment within the church. Take it to leadership within the church. This is how they functioned. That if we have the spirit of God, we have the wisdom, don't go out to people that don't know Jesus asking them how to settle disputes. And so this is what he's talking about, just, you know, the context in 1 Corinthians 6. And he says, does any one of you, when he has a case against his neighbor, dare go before the law of the unrighteous and not before the saints? Or do you not know that the saints will judge the world? If the world is judged by you, you are not competent to form the smallest law of courts. So what he's saying is, listen, when we're saved, we're not just saved when we go to heaven, that then we're actually exercising authority and we're going to be giving judgment. So he says, if God's spirit is in you, you're going to be doing that in heaven, you should start doing that now. Don't act stupid. You guys know how to figure out disputes using the word of God, using the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying. But look what else he says. He says, do you, also not, uh, do you not know also that we will judge angels? So angels are here to serve us, and then there's going to be a judgment, and the judgment isn't like we send them to heaven and hell just so you don't have that power. You're like, all right, no, you don't have that power, right? You're in, you're out. But it's, ju- it's a judgment as far as like a compensation judgment, like a judgment of you get allocated this much and that much. It's the same thing in heaven, that there's going to be a judgment of people that know Jesus and don't know Jesus. But there's going to be a second judgment where God rewards the saints for how they served here. And just so you know, some of us, we think that our greatest purpose is in heaven. And the Bible's like, no, 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 heaven starts now. That you are rewarded by how you handle yourself, self-control, how you treat others, how you raise a family, how you serve at church. You're actually judged and you're going to be rewarded for eternity based off how you do things here. 
So there's, incent- there's incentive. But also he says, we're going to be in authority, that God wants to give us authority. One of the things we're going to be doing is judging angels, how they served, how they responded. And I know for some of you right now, it's like, that is, this is crazy. We got to get into the word of God. Because the Bible says, if you're going to be there, start using wisdom here on earth. Get ready to have good judgment. Get ready to make good decisions because we're going to be doing that also in heaven. So they're incentivized too. They know that they're serving and the ones that they're serving, we're going to be the ones to judge based off of their work. One of the things that Paul talks about too that we don't get wrapped up too much into the weeds here is he says, listen, in Colossians chapter two, he says this. He says, listen, take care that no one keeps defrauding you of your prize by delighting in humility and the worship of angels, taking his stand on visions he has seen inflated without cause by his fleshly mind. As we talk about angels today, one of the things that we want to understand is that angels are servants of God used by God. They're not to be worshiped. They're not to be exalted. In fact, the Bible would say they're not even to be sought out. So some of you today are like, oh, I want to see one, or oh, I want to, you know. No, but they are serving. And they do interact supernaturally with the natural. That's why I'm not blown away. I, I watch all kinds of shows, uh, and, uh, and then there's all kinds of conspiracy with the government, all kinds of stuff, but people talk about, you know, Brian, do you believe in UFOs? Do you think there's UFOs and all that kind of stuff? I'm like, ah, I don't know. The Bible doesn't necessarily talk about what's going on in other worlds. But here's the thing. I would not be surprised if people are seeing things or things like that. And there's angelic interactions between the natural and the supernatural. Why? It's in the Bible. And that's why some of us, it freaks us out. We're like, that's why I don't want to read the Bible, Brian. <laughs> that scares me. But here's the thing. No, it actually brings you peace. And it brings you peace in this way. Um, some of us in the church have had very supernatural experiences, not just on the good side where angels have protected us or God's protected us, but also on the bad side where there's been demonic activity. I grew up in a home where there are some very dark, weird things that happened. But here's what the Bible says is, listen, it's not a fair fight. Some of us, we believe in demons to the point where we're so fearful of them, but we act like there's no angels and that there's no power in God. The Bible says that demons shudder at the name of Jesus. Have you noticed the interactions between demons and Jesus in the Bible? There was, there was at no point was Jesus like, whoa, that's a tough one. Or, whoa, that freaked me out. Or Jesus was never freaked out. He said, be quiet. They begged him, where can we go? You can go to those pigs. I mean, there was no fear. So when it comes to the supernatural as a church, here's what I want us to be. It's something we should be aware of. But it's not something where we seek that out. We seek Jesus out. But we're also not freaked out by it. If there's demonic experiences where we're sensing something, there's a darkness there, there's, a, there's an oppression, there's division. We don't fear. We have the name of Jesus. I've literally at times when I've felt demonic uh, um, oppression, I'm not going to give you the circumstances right now just because of time, but I've literally just prayed Jesus. That's all I've said. Like someone's like, what do I say? Do I have to say like a long prayer and, and start, you know, saying it in Aramaic, you know, going Old Testament? You know, no, no. Some of us go to those conferences. This is the formula. This is the way. I'm sorry. There's nothing in the Bible that says there's a formula. Well, yeah, there is. Jesus, because they shudder. You're fearful of your kids or something. I know I, I talked to one family where um, they were divorced and, and one side was Christian and they're sending their kids to a family member that was not a Christian and it was very dark and weird and a lot of kooky things happened in that home. Brian, what do I do? Go to Jesus. 
tell your kids, if you're ever scared, call in the name of Jesus. Because demons have to flee. It's by his authority. But I also want you to know this. One of the ways God loves you and takes care of you is there's thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, or think about it, millions or billions of angels. And to them, it's just as normal. They're around here. They're directed over provinces and cities and nations. So it's never out of control. Your life is never out of control. And that's what Elisha's faith said. Because some of us ask the same thing the attendant did. Maybe we're asking today, this is hopeless, Brian, my situation. What am I to do? And I want to encourage you with this. Do not be afraid. For those who are with us are greater than those who are with them. And I pray that God may open your eyes to see that there's more than this natural world. There's more than our governments. There's more than our education. There's more than just you because you are frail. That's why God gave us his spirit and that's why he gives us angels. I don't know how if that comforts you today or I don't know how, but I know it's not super applicable. Normally our sermons are like, three steps, do this. Think about angels this week. (laughs) But don't become obsessed with them because they are servants of God. Keep your eyes on Jesus. I just want you to know that how good he is and how much he takes care of us. We're going to go into a time of worship. Have I said anything where you have a question as the worship team comes up? Or maybe some of you, is there a Bible verse for you that encourages you today out of when it comes to angels or anything like that? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Uh, so the Bible would give no uh, um, the Bible wouldn't say that's I'm blanking on a word right now, but the Bible wouldn't say that's true. Um, that people turn into angels and they become angels. No, those are distinct. And that's actually very important. Um, and so uh, the Bible would even say that we got to be careful of trying to talk to spirits or talking to the dead. The Bible would very much. Now here's the thing. I'm going to say that, and some of you, you've lost a loved one or something like that, and you're like, oh my gosh, am I doing something to mine? If I'm just like, oh, mama, hope you're okay. That's different than calling on your mom or grandma to do something. Like, that's like the Bible would say, no, because here's the danger, is that you actually have the ability to call on demons to do things. So the Bible says when it comes to the supernatural, keep your eyes on Jesus. But no, people that are with Jesus, and here's the thing we got to remember too is, they're aware of us, but they're worshiping Jesus. My mom passed away. She loves me. She loves our family. She is not obsessed with what's going on. She is obsessed with Jesus right now. When we get to heaven, he is our everything. He's going to blow you away. And so we got to remember that. And so we might be greeting, we might be remembering. They're not. They're in the presence of God. But yeah, the Bible would say don't call on their name and they're not angels. Uh, Angels are specifically designed uh, to take care of us. Yeah. Yeah. None of us have a tattoo of 2 Kings 6 on our back. Yeah. Not yet. (laughs) Ephraim's going to do that today. (laughs) Ephraim's like, I got one more spot. (laughs) Thank you. And here's what's cool about this is I wasn't even supposed to preach on this passage today. Yeah. Um, The supernatural is normal, you guys. Let's not get freaky weird with it. We keep our eyes on Jesus, but I need you to know 
Open your eyes. A lot of things going on, and do not be afraid. It is not hopeless. Jesus, we come before you now, and thank you for Janelle for sharing that, laying on her heart. I think all of us got the chills there, and um, but getting the chills is the norm with you, God. You're, you're. I, I feel like sometimes as a church we act exactly like the world. We worship you, but we act like you're not alive. That there's not a whole new realm of things that are happening, or a whole different realm, I mean, that are, are, that are happening. And we get to participate in it, and we don't have to be afraid because we have you. God, open our eyes. Not, again, that we would be distracted by the supernatural, but just to be aware, and that would keep us calm. If any of us are being attacked by Satan in any way, God, I pray that we would call on the name of Jesus. Because your name brings hope. Your name brings power. Your name has authority in this world and in the world that we cannot see. So we worship you now, Jesus. Thank you for designing angels to serve us. Thank you for helping them to protect us. It's all from you. And so we worship you now in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information or to get in contact with our pastoral staff, please go to go to accesschurch.com. 